And what is up, everybody? Welcome once again to another edition of Chris Aiken Presents, the live version. I, of course, am Chris Aiken. That, of course, from the Stephen Piercy band, the rat bastard himself, Mr. Eric <laughs> Ferentinos. Eric, what is up, sir? Hello, Mr. Chris. Always a pleasure. Dude, we were doing a show and didn't even remember to turn the cameras on. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> For people that that were not privy to, to us, we were just sitting here shooting the shit, just going, yeah, 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 and then this, and then that. And I looked up, and it says, you know, at the top of my screen, there's a little thing that says, it's showtime. It's like blinking and stuff. I was like, oh, shit. Click the buttons fast. <laughs> we're having so, too much fun for our own good. That's right. This, it's the show before the show, so to speak, but. We do have a good show for everybody tonight. We definitely do. We've got some things to talk about tonight. Um, we've also got a killer band out of Boston that's going to be joining us. The band lands down. And um, I'm sure some of you know them from the radio. They've had a few radio hits and they're in they're 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 like the product placement band. They've been in quite a few um quite a few products they've been placed in as well. So um I you know, I, I can't wait to dig into these guys really just to talk talk about somewhat about that product placement thing, just because I'm fascinated by that. And if that helps, I, I certainly get how that can affect, can be a positive effect to, I don't know, like twisted sister or Led Zeppelin or somebody that, you know, that have songs that have been established for 40 years. Like, you know, you see a Cadillac commercial with uh, Led Zeppelin, you recognize Led Zeppelin, you recognize Cadillac. It's, it's not, you're not developing the reputation of Led Zeppelin, so to speak. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For a younger band that had that a lot of people probably still don't know at this point. I wonder if people just hear it in its background music or if, if they pull out their phone and Shazam and say, Hey, who was that? That sounded cool as shit. They absolutely do. And, do I, and I know that firsthand for Piercy, you know, he to this day, rat songs are, are put into shows you may have heard of like Stranger Things. Wow. Ever heard of that one? I think I've heard of it. They they have a, a rat song in that one. Uh I know Family Guy. Okay, but Rat is established. Okay, you're talking about not I'm established. Talking about, yeah, I'm on. talking about, I mean Rat is, you know, when when I saw Round and Round in the Wrestler, it wasn't like, hmm, I wonder who that band was. Let me try and find it. That is me on that, but when you watch the movie, I'm singing. You can hear my voice <laughs> doing backgrounds and it's my guitar play. We redid the songs. On the wrestler? On uh, Mickey Rourke, the wrestler. So if Look you hear those you. rat songs, you'll actually hear me like, lay it down. Uh, <laughs> I was like doing the low. <laughs> and what'd you make for that? A quarter? Dollar? I got paid zero. A <laughs> big zip, huh? <laughs> no, you know what? We got paid uh, for a studio, two studio days, which weren't much. It was like... I don't even want to throw the number out, but this was many years ago. We did right, that, and I think in like 2003, and we 2000, recorded. 2003. All right, well, now I'm going to guess. Now you can't, you can't just throw it out there like, I don't want to tell the number, and then I'm going to walk away. No. Here we go. Let me <laughs> let me do some guessing here. Okay. Greater. We'll go greater than or less than. Five right. grand. Oh, my God. Way fucking less. Way less than five grand? Way. I'm sorry to drop an F-bomb so quickly. but <laughs> Way less than five grand for a song that was in a, a pretty popular movie. Oh, you're talking about how much did the licensing cost? Yeah, how much did oh, you, you bingo? I'm talking one. about how much, I, how much did they get paid? How much did bingo, you guys make? 
they uh cleopatra records is who we recorded it initially for okay. which we did it for peanuts we just kicked it out it became the the mickey rat uh tribute album that came out like it was the it was those sessions which never even got like properly uh mixed or mastered or anything like that right i think Patra didn't believe that Stephen was actually doing it. And for what the story that I got is Matt Thorne, who engineered and produced it, kind of sent over some roughs. Okay. And he was like, that's fine. You know, and <laughs> ended up selling it to this independent movie company for about what you're saying. I I'm I haven't seen the contract, but from what I heard, it was something really small, like five thousand dollars. And this movie went on to be Mickey Rourke the wrestler. Right, that won an Academy Award or something like that. And <laughs> no, I never got anything for that. I didn't write the song. Steven does, and the Rat Guys do. They get okay. the publishing off the back end of that. But every time something like that comes on TV or a movie, young people totally get into it, especially Stranger Things. And then Rat starts to chart again when they got the Geico commercial. All those uh, music placements definitely kick up their numbers on streaming and things like that. If you're lucky enough as an unknown band to get that it's massive okay yeah well yeah i guess that's probably true if people discover but again though you know the the stranger things thing it's rat it's metallica yeah. it's you know it, it's not um it's not lansdowne let's be honest it's not right. it's not you know it it wouldn't be lansdowne it would be buck buck cherry or 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 a band like that it would be somebody that people have heard of my question is, do does it actually help the bands other than given bragging rights? I would my and, and again, we'll we'll ask them when they come on, but my guess is the best thing that it does for the bands is it gives them the commercial on YouTube that they can throw out on social media and say, "Hey, here we are pimping GMC or here we are pimping iRobot or here we are you know, hopefully not being the guys that are the spokesman for Lume or something, you know? I mean, sure. You just hope that that isn't what they get stuck with. Yeah, we got our song in the Lume commercial. <laughs> Lume. <laughs> or Lume. here we are for Charmin. <laughs> Is your ass dirty? Think of our band. <laughs> <laughs> listen up, dirty ass. That's right. If you stink like our ass, listen to our band. No, let's hope it's not that. Let's hope that it's like good. I'll take that Charmin money. <laughs> You'll take the Lume all day, right? <laughs> That's right. I'll take the Lume all day and twice on Sunday. That's right. <laughs> nice. Well, dude, lots lots going on, man. Um, you know, we're um we're moving into the new year finally. I know we did a, a show after the new year, but as as I said on CMS, I wasn't really right. I was my head was not totally into it, you know, last week. Great. I'm I'm better today, although I'm sick as hell, which is just really bugging me that I'm sure you can hear it in my throat. I'm a little, ah, sure. a little, little scratchy and whatnot, but, um, but I'm in a good mood and we're going to have fun. Um, like I said, Lansdowne is going to be with us. They are out of Boston and um, a lot of great bands have come out of Boston. Just you know? a little band out of Boston. That's right. Including that one, <laughs> including that one, a little band called Aerosmith. A couple of you might've heard of. Um, I don't know. Extreme is out of Boston, I think. Right. I'm pretty sure Boston's out of fucking Boston, right? Yeah, Boston is the the, <laughs> the Jay Giles band. 
I love the Jay Giles band back in the 80s. They were an awesome band back then. When I was a little kid, I totally loved Jay Giles band. Their videos were yeah. sick. Uh, they were horny videos too, like yeah. Centerfold. Centerfold and yeah. Freeze Frame. I always thought when I was a kid, I thought that one of the chicks in the Centerfold video was Martha Quinn. And <laughs> I kind of you I hoped. Thought, I, both. Back then, both. She, she appealed to me back then, but there, she's like in a nighty, like, like going in a circle in his room. And I don't right. know. I was probably only, when was that? 1980? I was like eight years old. Oh, so you weren't even that. thinking, you weren't even thinking dirty, filthy thoughts at that point. I was you? though. That, that video made me think <laughs> those dirty thoughts. I didn't know what they were or why I was feeling that way, but I was, I was staring at that MTV watching that. <laughs> and I also, my other favorite part, uh, which it might've been, uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, where the snare drum is milk. It's all milk. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> and the milk comes flying out. That was awesome. And you guys don't do that now with Stephen Piercy band? Uh, it seems like he does because Piercy does this thing where he wants to take water or whatever he has and he he just throws it like up in the air because right. it looks kind of cool in the lights, but it just totally lands on my guitar and me and just shorts everything out. And, sure. Dude, you guys should do that. You should fill the drums up with like a little bit of water or something when you play it when and if you play Nobody Rides for Free because it's like the, the beach song. <laughs> You know, you could put, get the get the symbols all wet or something. So when you're hitting the symbols, right. it's splashing off the symbols and stuff. That'd be great. He Nobody does that. He'll, he'll, he'll walk up to the symbol to the symbols, the overheads, and just dump <laughs> water right on them. Right. And then when the drummer hits them, they splash. But that can't be good for the anything involved. No, in I'm sure it's not. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, especially. Especially in um in today's world where half the time you're playing, you know, on on either backline from provided by somebody else or you know, you're not flying Holy in a drum yeah. kit or whatever. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure whatever band's drum drum kit you're playing on is not gonna be real happy if you start dumping water and shit on it. <laughs> Luckily we haven't had to use the opening band's gear, uh, but it's mostly a backline company. Well that even still, I'm sure they don't want it either. I'm yeah, sure. Jeff Lando has a backline company that gets used a lot, and their stuff's always great. Yeah, I can say. That's I wish cool. I knew the name of his company. I'd promote it. Yeah, whatever. It's Jeff Lando's. Look it up. How's that? <laughs> yeah, look, look, Godsmacker from Boston. There you go. Yeah. But none of these bands are as good as Lansdowne. I'm just going to say that. Aerosmith. Hands down. Lansdowne. That's right. Hands, Hands down. down. It's Lansdowne. Godsmack, Aerosmith, Boston extreme let's not talk about these amateurs here for god's sakes we have lands down on here in a minute man and we're going to be talking to them about the real boston sound definitely but um well, i'll tell you what man believe it or not they are already waiting in the wings so why don't we do this i know this is going to be an unusual move because we usually go a half hour before we get right into it but i'm not going to keep the guys waiting so let's do this i'm going to play a quick spot we'll play a little piece of some of their music and then we will be back with the guys from lands down Right after this, it is Chris Aiken Presents. Hey, everybody. It's Chris Aiken from all the shows and wanted to share with you one of my other passions other than music. That, of course, being coffee. Anybody that's listened to me knows that I love coffee. And I have found another great brand, ladies and gentlemen, that you guys need to check out. Simply named. No gimmicks to it at all. It's just coffee brand coffee. It's fantastic coffee. And I am not kidding you. 
They have everything that you would possibly want. Their coffee is excellent. I like the roaster's choice, but they have the pumpkin spice and all that other stuff, all the flavored stuff that you might like. Uh, they've got K-Cups for you. They've got cold brews. They offer tea. They've got cocoa. They literally have everything that you would want. So if you're looking for a great coffee, if you don't want to just settle for the crap that they sell you at the grocery store, this is another fine alternative. Coffee brand coffee. Just go to www.bit.ly slash CMS coffee. One more time, bit.ly slash CMS coffee and use the coupon code CMSPN to save a little bit of money and you can get some of the best coffee that is available today. So one more time, it is coffee brand coffee. We love it here at the Classic Metal Show and you will too. So get some today, folks. Coffee brand coffee. I want to feel you get dangerous, stay close to me. Think I could heal you if you let me inside. Because it's one step up, two steps back. Careful what you say, or they'll bury you. But if we all step up and then push back. Maybe we could use a little medicine. All right, I'm just going to say it, Eric. That clip was way too short. Uh, that was that was awesome. I love that stuff. That is from a new record, which is called Medicine. The band is Lansdowne, and joining us right now are two of the guys from Lansdowne. It is uh, Glenn and Sean. Guys, how are you? What's going on, guys? It's great to be here. Nice up, to have fellas? you guys. Nice to have you guys, man. And, um, you know, for, for people that don't know, you guys have a brand new release or it's coming out um, called or is it out or is it coming out? Uh, so uh, Medicine, uh, the single is out now with Halo, okay. another new one coming off the compilation. But uh, AFM uh, just packaged up a bunch of the singles that we've been putting out over the years uh, with these two new tracks uh, for a new album coming out. Uh, for Europe release February third, okay, and uh, U.S. release uh, I'd have to check the date real quick unless you know it off the top of your head. I don't know it off the top, top of my head. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I, I I don't. I should. Yeah. I suck. But um, I know uh, that was that was Xavier Glenn. <laughs> but I I will tell you guys this. I have it. It is fantastic. It's a it's a uh, great listen. Um. You March, know, you got, March 10th is the U.S. Uh, uh, release date for the physical. There we go. Very nice. Well, uh, guys, for, for people that don't know what you guys, the kind of music that you guys make, I would call it, I would call it more rock than metal, but certainly it's got some metal tinges to it. There's a little bit of, and, and this is what I like best about it. There's a little bit of a lot of flavors to it. There's a touch of industrial stuff mixed in there. There's a touch of um, straight up rock. There's some heaviness. There's some modern sound. I mean, you guys cover a lot of bases. So why don't we start there, man, and maybe give us a little history of you guys and specifically the influences of you guys that have led you to creating this amalgamation of sounds. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think just all of us have a have a ton of different influences. Like you said, uh, you know, we love music. Uh, um, you know, so there's definitely a lot of, like you said, you know, we love everything from uh, metal bands, uh, from you know, uh, you know, newer kind of metal stuff like Bring Me the Horizon, 
uh, through Nickelback and and all the way to like pop records like Demi Lovato and and nice. uh, some of the new pop stuff out there. So like you know that it's definitely a wide span of stuff that we like to listen to. So I think that just kind of finds its way into our music naturally. Okay, excellent. Now now how do you guys when when you guys decide to put together put together songs well start with songs let's start with some songwriting stuff how do you do it is it a true group effort or is there one of you that's kind of the leader that kind of dictates the music or the vocal or where does it all start with a riff with a with a voice with a thought what uh it happens in a few different ways uh so like sometimes john will just have a voice memo that he's sung into his phone that'll shoot over to me and i'll i'll start kind of riffing around and we'll start getting some of glenn's thoughts in there or we just did uh actually medicine uh is the result of us all taking a trip together as a band out to the poconos just to kind of get away from everything and and we're just literally in the middle of nowhere in a in an awesome house that we set up in the living room and we're just jamming for days. So, uh, you know, there's really no like set way that it happens, but you yeah. know, a lot of times it'll just, you know, start with a riff or start with a lyric idea from John or a melody from John, uh, and kind of just expand from there. But, um, but yeah, so, but medicine was uh, a cool one because we all just kind of were like, you know, what, let's take a retreat. Let's go just do some writing. Uh, so that was a fun one to, to make and how it came together as a band that way. Are you guys yeah. from Pennsylvania? You, did you say you're from? No, no. Uh, <laughs> we're, so it's just a spot where um, we've uh, we've been before, and it was a spot that was kind of like halfway between. I'm in Jersey now, um, mm -hmm. and the guys are in New Hampshire uh, for the most part, and then John's in Boston still. So it's like you've got this kind of. Right. Usually, I'm the one that goes up, and it's easy, right? The drummer he's going to go up, he's going to come you know, do his thing, and we'll meet the guys up there. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Sean had an idea about like, you know, we did a retreat down in Florida we, uh, before in the past for writing and then one in South Carolina. And I think what you realize quickly is when you have the ability to lock yourself away, ideas come from everywhere. There's no outside noise. And all you do, like the older, like the old school, like rocker and me from like when my dad used to play and like how he got me into it, jamming in a garage. That's what it felt like, right? You're just, the only difference was we were in some dude's living room in an Airbnb that we rented. And, you know, these guys are using <laughs> fractals and plugged into a recording device. And I'm using an electronic drum kit. So that way we don't disrupt the neighbors. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. No, I asked because my grandparents were from there. They had a okay. house there in the 70s when I was a kid. And it's gorgeous up there. And it is secluded. Oh, but it's the nature vibes are off the charts up there. Yeah. Like I... I remember feeding animals out of my hand. There are birds landing in my hand, eating. Yeah, there was a, uh, we, uh, we actually did a U-turn because we saw a bear and we're like a bear. <laughs> most, <laughs> most people, most people, you know, would probably be like, Oh shit, <laughs> push the gas. We're like, Nope, a bear. Let's go look at it. <laughs> but yeah. But then, uh, so it was, it was funny though, because you know, we were kind of on the last night. We had done a lot of great writing, had a lot of great ideas. We're like, all right, let's go out and have like a good time. And, there was just nowhere to go. There's nowhere to do that. <laughs> you could go we tobogganing. Tobogganing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We tried. Nice. We ended up in some towny, towny bar and we walked in and it was one of those things where like the music screeches and everyone's like, what's, who are these? Who the fuck are these? There guys? was a place my grandma used to walk me down to and it was the only place in town near the lake. And they had like a, 
little store there, a little mini mart back then. It was called the Gay Bull. <laughs> you can believe that. And, and she had a German accent. She'd be like, we're going down to the Gay Bull. <laughs> you know, or whatever. But it was the only place. Otherwise, we had to drive like an hour to go to a mall or shopping center or anything like that. Back then, anyway, Jeez, I'm sure it's yeah. more developed now. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, well, guys, uh, so... I'm getting from this. You guys did not come up through a through one particular scene. Is that correct? You, uh, uh, we kind uh, of. I mean, kind of came up in the. We were, we did come up in the Boston scene. Okay. Um, it's just when we were. It's interesting. When, like so, when we were coming up in the very beginning, yeah. You know, like like most bands, your sound your sound evolves, and so we came up in the beginning, almost as Sean. We were using the, like a pop punk band for about. Well, actually, as a pop band, which then transitioned into a pop punk band, which right. then transitioned into wait, we're all kind of like rock music. Like, who cares what everyone else is listening to? Let's play rock music, and then became this rock band. But there was just, unfortunately, at the time, there was really there wasn't a big rock scene in Boston. It was heavily really? dominated by, like, it was heavily dominated by the, like the pop punk scene, um, especially after you know uh, everything on Lansdowne Street with like Orpheum and Axis all that started closing there was less and less places to play and, and we were kind of at the tipping point of uh putting out our first real rock record and then when we were trying to figure out what to do next we just got put out in the road so like as we were coming up we were coming up and like playing with sound sound sounds and then finally uh when we found our sound and put our first record out we didn't even get a chance to stay in boston we were out on the road pretty much immediately sure and that was by design i'm imagining because the scene there was pretty dry we were excited. I mean, as, as, as you know, we, we, we did really well for what the scene was in Boston. Like, you know, we were selling out shows sure. from, you know, 200 cap, 300, 400 and, and growing. And then when we kind of made a decision, a conscious decision to, 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 to play with our sound, um, we were all, you know, I think 23 to 26. And we were like, oh, 21 for Sean, you know, it was like, when the opportunity to hit the road, you know, everything you ever dream of as a, as a, a musician of being on tour, boy, do you find out quickly yeah. that it's not <laughs> anything you think it is. Um, but boy, it was, you know, it's some of the best times of my life. Some of the best stories, but yeah. uh, five, six guys in a van on, on no money. <laughs> It'll teach yeah. you a thing or two about how to live. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it, if it makes you feel better, Eric's in an established band and he lives on the road with no money. So you guys aren't, it's not like you go very far from the smallest band to the biggest. That's the age though. When you're young, you're, you're still hopeful oh. and everybody's oh, yeah. excited to be there and you haven't been beaten yeah. down yet. So you make it work and you share and you hit those yeah. value living meals. Up, living and, up peanut butter and jelly and uh, you get to eat one half of a $5 foot long for lunch and the other half for dinner. Whoa, 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 hey, 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 this is a children's show. <laughs> nice <laughs> well well guys uh, you know you guys are you guys have obviously you know you for people that don't know you guys have been around for a while now it's not like you guys are a two-year-old band you guys are what 15 14 15 years doing this, at this point. Yeah, yeah i think uh <laughs> yeah i think blue collar revolver actually just had its uh it's either coming up this year or it was last year, the 10 year anniversary of that album coming out. So, and that was, that was a bunch of years in the making <laughs> from sure. the, the, the sound evolving. So uh, yeah, it's definitely, we're like 15 years at least into it for sure. Um, sure. In that neighborhood. 
And uh, yeah, it's just been an evolution. Just getting started. Right. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I love and what I heard today, man. Chris sent me a link, and sometimes I can't go through all of a new band's album, but your album, every song is catchy as hell, and it's yeah. just really put together from a songwriting perspective quality there's quality songwriting and there's no there's zero filler like every song you can tell had the same amount of care put into it of the of this album i haven't heard your other ones but this sure I chris what's the name that. of the album that you sent me today well i that i've looked at today you sent I, it to I'm, me this week i'm gonna say i don't know because Guys, i thought it was medicine in. so medicine halo Halo's yeah. a badass track it really is. Now, this leads me to a question, though. I mean, you guys have been doing it for 15 years. You're making music that, in my opinion, could easily play on every radio station in the country. I, I mean, you Except know. the F word. There was one. It had an F word in it. You flip we got it a radio backwards, nobody that. knows. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, you turn it around, nobody knows the difference. Yeah. But <laughs> my my thought, my question is, you know, when I hear it and I'm like, damn, this should be everywhere, and it's not, my question always comes to why. What is it What is it that a Nickelback, anytime they shit out a song, it's on there? And I like them, so it's not like I'm bashing <laughs> them per se. I actually am a fan. Yeah. But, you know, a band like that or, you know, Papa Roach or, you know, any of these bands, what is it about them that gets the the radio stations to just promote it like crazy? And because it, it's not the music, because if it was the music, then you guys would be getting, you know, 400 spins an hour across the country. And I never understand <laughs> where the where the separation is between a band that is getting the play and a band that should be getting the play, but isn't. Well, we, we appreciate that. Hey, first and foremost, yeah. it really means a lot. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's right now the, the thing that has been, you know, where the, the label is at because we just recently signed with the label uh, this past May, we were, you know, independent for the last, <laughs> you know, for the last 14 or 15, whatever years it is in. And it, sure. it was, and it was funny that we were just like, you know, we're just going to have fun with it. You know, we all have families and, and companies and stuff that we started. We were just in a position where like, you know, we're going to have fun when stuff comes up. We'll, uh, we'll push it out and we'll go play a show or, well, you know, when we want to have write a song and put it out, we'll put it out. Uh, and then the label just shows up, you know, it's like, where were you guys when we were beating our ass on the road <laughs> right. 10 years ago, <laughs> but you know, it kind of re re sparked everything for us. And, I think what the label's approach is right now is just, you know, they want to let everyone know that we're, we're back, that, okay. that this just isn't like a, a flash in the pan. It's not just we're going to put out a single and disappear again for a year. Uh, we're back for real. We're, we're, we're going, going hard at it again. So I think, uh, you know, once, um, you know, that's established in the community, uh, people will start to, to, you know, will start to get those spins and stuff again because we were on, on – on octane and back in the day we were getting sure. yeah in, uh you know full terrestrial uh radio back in the day as well uh so i think it's just you know uh either with halo or this next coming single we'll start to see those relationships get pushed by the label um for getting us back into into rotation there uh but they've been doing an amazing job for us on streaming uh you know where you know a lot of the new discovery is uh you know i think we've done something like 
like seven X our Spotify numbers in the last six months, wow. which is crazy. Um, yeah. And so we are super appreciative because, you know, you hear horror stories your whole time coming up of, of just terrible, terrible deals and, and terrible relationship with the label. And I sure. think we're really, really lucky it has taken this long because we really found the right partners in AFM, uh, right. what we're trying to do. Um, so yeah, I think we'll start to see that come around again once people are accepted that, okay, it's not just another <laughs> flash in the pan Lansdowne single. They're actually, they're actually doing it. We did it that again. for a few years. <laughs> we just started dropping things and then play two shows, play a festival, and then, right. you know, and people are like, wait, are you really doing it? And so, and, you know, especially now, it's nice. They're like, okay, that's the second song they did. They said they sure. were dropping another one. It came, <laughs> and now they announced they announced the record. They announced, you know, we're getting ready to announce a couple other festivals and a couple other things. So, okay, they're playing shows. This is all right. <laughs> right. Well, what what does Spotify specifically? And, and I mean, I'm I'm saying Spotify, but I also mean YouTube Music and Apple, etc. But what does what does that actually get you? Because like I, I know Burn Brighter had like 11 million streams. That's a huge number, especially for an independent band or a, a recently signed. But I'm assuming that was when you were independent. What does that get you? I mean, that's a shit ton of streams. Does that get more people to shows? Does it get you selling more merch? Does it does it translate or is it just a necessary thing that you need to help promote yourself to the next thing? It's kind of a combination. I think, you know, for us, and, and Sean probably had better numbers, but I mean, right now I think we're streaming just like even on Spotify about 2.3 million songs a month, wow. you know, and it's like, um, you know, and that's some, some solid growth. And, and what's, what's cool is after with the AFM piece, we're getting a lot of exposure in Europe, which we were before as an independent band, we were, we were like three to one on the streams U S to, to Europe, which is, which is kind of crazy because we, you know, we, we've been to Europe for a pit stop once. And then on our way to Afghanistan, we played for the troops a few years, like way back in the day, which is, um, was a cool experience in its own right. But I, what we see is it definitely translates to, you know, brand equity and the brand building on, on who the band is, people visiting the .com, the merch store. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of rebuilding our approach on our socials. So we're seeing a lot more engagement there. Um, we, we just, got an offer for, for a festival that the guy came across us in Toronto that we're going to announce soon. And we, and, uh, and put in a really nice offer to us. So we've started seeing some of that. Okay. Um, but you know, and it's always one of those things you try to determine because there's, there's other bands that are on the radio to your point that aren't streaming a fraction of what we are. And, and so it's interesting that like, you know, with the impact radio has sometimes and what the impact when you start to build a little bit of a, of a following online, how that can snowball. Are you guys able to do uh, festivals like say out of the country, or are you have to be just basically on the East Coast because of how expensive flights are? Like, what shows can you take and not take right now for twenty twenty three? Yeah, yeah. So right now it's pretty, go ahead, John. Oh yeah, I think we're I think we're looking at taking on um, you know every festival that uh, that makes sense for us. So uh, especially in Europe where we've seen those numbers, I think it was like. Yeah, like Glenn said, like before the label was like one to three, but now it's almost like one to two where we're like we're seeing the numbers really explode in Germany where the label's at uh, a lot of explosive growth in Europe. So we definitely want to be out there uh, playing because right. and hitting these markets because 
you know, when you see something like 80,000 people a month streaming in uh, in Germany alone and you start to look at the size sure. of Germany compared to the United States, I'm like, well, those 80,000 people have to be pretty close in proximity to each other. So it should make <laughs> for some good shows out in that area. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and I think uh, part of it is we are lucky enough to have some tour support built into the deal with AFM so that, you know, while we're still, uh, you know, uh, getting those guarantees higher, uh, we are able to go and take some, uh, you know, take some swings in Europe uh, and be financially supported uh, to be able to go do that, um, which is nice. Uh, you know, I do, think do you guys book shows yourselves too, or do you have an agent now, or how does it work when, when you book? Right now, it's it's Sean and I. You know, we were in the beginning, we were represented by a big agent. You know, we had big management in the, in the very beginning, and you know, the big uh, booking agent and all of that was 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 pretty cool. So we, I think we we kind of became students. Um, sure. you know, Sean and I work heavily in music with the companies that we own. So like we're, we're in this every day doing it for other uh, labels and artists in different ways. So it's like, it's interesting when you start applying it to yourself. So right now we book everything ourselves and with our relationships. And uh, we just started picking up conversations uh, on the management front and the, the booking agent front, trying to suss out what makes sense. Because to your point, at the end of the day, we see this, we're, we're, we're at this point in our career, it's a business, right? So if we go to Europe, we'll take whatever shows make sense to build a brand because yeah. we're not reliant. It's a marketing expense. We're not reliant on sure. the guarantee as much because we've no. got, we can all work from the road. Like all of us, our, all of our companies are digital. So that was like a huge step in why we jumped back into this. Sean can produce music and we can work on creative and John can do what he does. And, and the guys, it's, 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 we've really put together a plan that allows us, and not to say we're going to go back on necessarily on the road for 200 days a year, like back in the day, which was sure. a different type of touring, but you know, the idea of being able to go to Europe for, for three, four weeks at a time, you know, in a year up and down the coast, you know, playing mm -hmm. being away for six to eight weeks at a time or six to eight weeks for a year is a, is a good amount of shows we think to kind of kick it back in the gear, you know, right on how many, how often you got to get back to Bozeman, Montana, or, you know, you try right. to figure that out and, and listen, we've been, and it's awesome, but you start to realize um that with, with being able to touch people digitally like with something even just like with your show chris it's like you people have so much more access to a band now than they ever did before right certainly the well, time dude, I, is now yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> well i i, I want to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned that you did the troop thing and um I'm old as hell. I'll just admit it. I'm I'm 54. And when I was in the service, I was stationed in Korea and bands came over to Korea. And I cannot tell you how much we loved that shit. I mean, more than more than it. And I mean, it didn't even have to be bands that we were into. Like, I, I remember and again, this was 30 whatever years ago at this point. But it, I remember Foghat coming over there and it was like the Beatles. You know, because we were seeing Fog Hat, you know, and it was like a, a, a legitimate band and, you know, and, and it was just fun. And even even unestablished bands that came over there, we would if we could get the leave time, we would take a day or two leave to travel around to the different bases to because it was like American culture brought to us, which was mm -hmm. which is, you know, you guys went to Afghanistan and, and those places. I'm sure the troops were could not have been happier to see you. Talk a little bit about that experience because, you know, I know it because I did it. It is not like when you go to a show, even if it's, 
you know, a place you've never played before, or even if it's like a CD release, it's the excitement level is way off the charts compared to a normal show. No. Oh, oh for it sure. was next level. <laughs> it was, yeah, and, and first and foremost, thank you for your service, man. We really sure, appreciate man. Uh, We really support the troops, appreciate everything. And it was crazy. It was like you said, you know, we're bringing in a taste to home that they haven't had in a while. And, uh, you know, it, you're getting uh, these big burly guys coming up to you kind of with tears and saying thank you for, you know, bringing me a little bit of home. And we're like, no, thank you for, for being <laughs> <Right>. here. <laughs> but, uh, so it was definitely, you know, one of the most special experiences, I think, in our touring career, being able to go do that. Um, it, we, we did a, a Manus Air Force Base in Kyrgyzstan, uh, five bases in Afghanistan, and two bases in Kuwait on the way out. Okay. And it was, uh, you know, really a, a you know, once in a lifetime experience. Um, I Did think you see was... any of those spiders in Afghanistan that I've seen on like camel, camel spiders? <laughs> yeah, they look like the thing from Alien, the face hugger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luckily, like, we, they did have the the posters everywhere of uh, you know, don't leave, look inside your shoes before you put them on, like uh, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff that creepy crawlers out there that uh, you got to watch out for. But yeah. Luckily, I don't think we, uh, any of us pers <laughs> personally ran into any, Good. but, um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Really? Sure. No it question. Good, you guys. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very, and again, I cannot, I cannot stress enough, not, not necessarily to you guys, cause you guys get it, but to anybody that's watching or listening, it's a different environment. I, I mean, I've been to shows everywhere. I've been to yeah. back in the old days, to castle Donington and saw, you know, hundred thousand people and, I've been to big festivals here in the States and I've seen shows at the big egg in Japan and stuff. I mean, I've been to a lot of different he's places. Seen fire and he's seen rain. That's, that's right. <laughs> I have. And I can tell you for a fact that those, those shows feel, I, I don't even know how to put it. It's just because you're so, you're so isolated from your life when you're stationed overseas. Yeah. You can call and yes, you can FaceTime or whatever now, but it's not the same. And, and when you get a taste of home, that's a real taste of home, the kind of shit that you would do, you know, before you canceled your Sirius XM subscription and went overseas, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you can do that, you can, you can see live music and you can experience what you're missing that, that fills a hole and it, you know, bravo to you guys, man. Cause that's not, it's not easy to do it either. I mean, you guys going to Afghanistan, fuck that. It, yeah. <laughs> and, you hear, and, and, you know, everyone's armed and I, I will say like quick story, like one of the coolest experiences, we, we played a base in Afghanistan and we played to your point, you play everywhere, right? We played in the cafeteria sure. and, and this cafeteria was slammed. And I remember watching these three guys in the front as we're playing and they were just like stone cold. Like you weren't like, why, like, are they enjoying it? Aren't they? You weren't sure. They were kind of moving their head. We finished. They came up to us and they were like, guys, this was one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen. Come with us. And we're like, come with you. And, and he's like, yeah. So we're like, okay. So they, they were like, they literally, we left all our stuff in this cafeteria. They got us into a, into Humvees. They drove us right off of like, now we're driving off a of base. We come right. out the gates it's pitch black. You can't see anything. And we pull up to what looks like this little like, like house in the middle of the desert. And we come in and the only best way I can describe it is it was like a fraternity house. Now you're at this point where Sean's 22. Uh, I'm 24. 
24, 25. I, I don't even right? think I was 21 was yet. 20, I don't... 20 and, and yeah. Yeah, uh, no. we were young, but you know, what you realize is these are guys that are the same age as you just about, you know, a couple of years sure. or older both ways. And they bring us in and it's all of these like seals in this house together. And I, I tell this story because Sean, me and our bass player wound up getting mohawks. We shaved <laughs> our heads with a bunch of the guys shaved our heads in the house. Um, and we hung out with these guys, and they were telling That's what happened stories. To me. And- That's what happened to me. We <laughs> look, <laughs> <laughs> we have photos just like that. Um, and uh, and we hung with them for the night, and it was, I would say, one of the top five experiences of my life. And that night, hanging with these guys, hearing their stories, bonding over these little canned Heinekens that they got a they got from a, like a local market, you know. And you just right. like- <laughs> well, I don't know if we could talk about those. We might get them in trouble. <laughs> I, think, I think they, I think they smuggled, smuggled them over the border of Pakistan. <laughs> Stop your hand off for that shit. <laughs> Very nice. Um, <laughs> well, guys, you got um, the current single that is out there is Halo, I believe, right? That is the, the most current yeah. one. And yeah. you got this kick-ass video for it as well as a kick-ass song. I'm going to put a little bit of the video up that people can see it. But why don't you guys tell us a little bit about the, um, about the song and specifically about the video shoot? Because it's cool as hell, man. Hell yeah. I, I don't have the uh, sound, so oh, okay. talk, talk <laughs> yeah, right so, Yeah, so the first thing is, you know, right when we kind of got the idea of a model with angel wings, uh, one of my good friends is Sarah uh, Millette. Uh, she goes by Sarah Banff. Uh, she's the model on the video. And I was, okay. I was like, you know, how cool would it be to see just like that an angel that's just also just all just she has, you know, head to toe body tattoos sure <laughs> that you know she was just the first person we thought of for the video which uh you know she makes the video for sure and also uh it was one we shot in-house with our our production teams glenn uh it's mungo creative uh producing it and uh at red 13 creative that's my company as well with our director jim foster uh he just crushes it every time he's done stuff with you know everyone from godsmack to avatar to from ashes to new. So it was great to be able to work in house and create, you know, an awesome product with Jim. Um, and the song was just, uh, it was actually just kind of one of the sleepers that I, you know, that we had a demo of it. And, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know if this is really one of the leading ones. Uh, and, uh, we kind of just played it in the office at the label and the, the head of the label Nils was immediately like, Oh, this one, this is, this riff is that he's like, I just love the riff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, we kind of went back in and, and reworked, uh, reworked some of the songs that to, to, cause the riff didn't really come in until like probably like two minutes uh, originally into the song. And he's like, you gotta, this riff is, is the song you gotta, guys gotta figure it out. Uh, <laughs> how to uh, make this riff come in more. Um and uh, so we kind of went back in, John and I and Glenn, and, and retooled the song, and, and kind of Halo was born. Uh, you know, and, and you know, a message that I think a lot of us can get behind is, you know, when you lose someone, you know, whether that's to, you know, uh, just you know, losing someone in a relationship, or or you know, really losing someone uh, in terms of you know, someone close to you dying, uh, you know, kind of wondering about the aftermath of that, like, you know. Even even on a relationship level, you're with someone for ten years, and then all of a sudden they're a stranger. You know what I mean? Or yeah. or you know, when you lose someone really close, you start to go through that existential feeling of, you know, where you know, can they, 
can they still feel me? Can I still feel them? Where do they go? And I think that was kind of something that, you know, that touched us all in a way uh, that, you know, we've all been through things uh, as a band and personally. So it was a really, you know, great song for us to be able to come together on and put out, uh, sure. you know, I that find has it a great meaning behind it. I find it amazingly interesting that you weren't sure on this one. Cause this song is like, to me is the home run. It's like the home run of the whole record, man. It is so it just right from the beginning of that. It's like totally like in, in your head and it stays in your head. You know, it's, it's, it's like bubble gum to hair. It really just, <laughs> you know, it just, it you just, can, you can tell it's good. Not even hearing the music. Yeah. You know? it's like, <laughs> it's a good video. No, the video is amazing though. It is. I mean, great choice for the lead female there without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. yeah you no. know, in the, in the, in the, anyone that wants to go kind of check out the rest of her modeling stuff, she's amazing. Uh, I think there's a, a link for her in, in our YouTube or in the FM YouTube uh, description for the video. And uh, also uh, uh, Amanda Marie, who did the makeup, uh, was she just does such a killer job as well. Who's Amanda is actually the, the robot model in the first video. In medicine. Okay. In medicine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you that, should have her in every one doing something different. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so Amanda and Amanda, um, so she blew our fucking minds because we created that uh album art single artwork digitally and then she comes out of the bathroom because we didn't have any idea what we were shooting when we went for the video uh this one was with ben prue who did our one shot video okay um and we were like we're just gonna go and we're gonna shoot a video today <laughs> we have no fucking she comes out of the <laughs> comes out of the bathroom fucking looking exactly like the single cover and i'm like what the was fuck insane. how did you do that right uh, My band so. tried to do a, a similar thing, but it did not come out that good, as you can see here. <laughs> <laughs> not quite as good. Our bass player looks so fat and weird and pink. <laughs> nice. Well, well, guys, I, I I know Glenn heard this one before because he was waiting in the green room. Uh, Sean, you didn't hear this, but um, we were talking at the beginning a little bit about how you guys have been licensed, have licensed your music to products, which it, obviously for business is a great thing. But what we were trying to figure out is what does that do for a band specifically, you know, and, and this, like we were saying before, if you're Led Zeppelin doing Cadillacs, okay, everybody knows Cadillac, everybody knows Led Zeppelin. You know, it's it's not it's not a big jump to associate, you know, rock and roll from Led Zeppelin with a car or whatever. What does it do for a, a younger band that has not been hugely established? Like, and, and I'll just give you one example. I know GMC right now is doing something with Rival Sons. And I know Rival Sons, but I know most people do not know them to where they, they'll they hear a song and they'll be like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But, you know, they, they lose it after a minute. Does does product placement help you? And if so, in what way? Uh, Your pocket. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... and absolutely on the exposure front too, you know, like the right, the right sync with the right commercial that's going wide like that with the rival sons thing like you mentioned you know i can think back to like you know that can really break a song that then breaks a band um you know i know one of my close friends uh uh zach barnett that i went to college with he's the uh, singer of american authors 
Okay. I think it was a Lowe's commercial that picked up their, you know, they were getting, doing pretty well, getting good steam and a Lowe's commercial picked them up. Um, and I think it was the song, you know, kind of made a bad day on my life. And I think it was the one right before that one. Uh, but they blew up like just from that, from that, you know, from that sync to, to then, you know, using the sync to influence radio, to then influence touring. And it just really exploded their career. And I think another one was like, I forget which car commercial it was, but that song by, um, fun, was that's what really oh, yeah. blew them up. Um, so, you know, none of our, none of ours have quite done that for us. <laughs> or Imagine gonna... Dragons. Isn't Imagine Dragons? They were like, for a minute, they're a new band that just, their music just suited like every commercial, it seemed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know. but here's my question, though. How does it get there? How do you get from, how do people figure out Hey, that's Lansdowne. That's you know. How do they figure that out? Because they don't say it in the commercial. They don't. Yeah. They don't well, even think, tag it at the bottom that says "music by" or anything like that. Well, I think it's we're in such a powerful technology day and age where you know I think back then it was you know just using Shazam or whatever the other one was that got beat out by Shazam. <laughs> right. Um, but now it's just you know you just ask your phone, hey Siri, who's playing right now, and and it'll tell you. Um, and then, you know, there was also the, the whole, like, you know, like, oh, I need to figure out what song that was. People scouring the internet on Reddit of, Hey, what song was that in the GMC commercial? You know what I mean? Uh, So so I think it creates like a little cult cult thing online too, is like, uh, when you like, you know, you feel like you're discovering it. It's almost like it's a a mystery you have to solve. Yeah. It's almost like gamifying the experience. (laughs) All right. Now here, take this, take this as either a good or bad question, but does it give the band cred or does it give the band a look of corporate sellouts? I think it depends on what it is. (laughs) Yeah. I think it depends. Uh, You know, like if, if, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're on like a like a Pampers diaper commercial with Conquer the Mall. People might be like, "All right, they just did that for the fucking money. That doesn't right. make any, <laughs> any sense at all." Right. But you know, but if uh, you know, uh, you got fucking John Jones walking out to Conquer the Mall on UFC. I don't think anyone would you know give us a <laughs> sure a, a head nod, a, a bad nod for that one. You know, I think it just it has to make sense with whatever brand you're aligning yourself with, and if you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, there are people that you see that'll just, they don't care. They'll align themselves with any brand for a paycheck. But if you're, you know, being <laughs> smart about it, I think people appreciate it more. And and you get more out of it when you're actually aligning with a brand you care about or want to, um, you know, want your music being rep by and want to kind of come up together, whatever that might be. Sure. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the ones that was great for us was doing, uh, the partnership with iRobot because we that was a brand that we could you know really get behind with the packbot and going out and seeing you know how that was able to help with the you know experiences that the troops were going through trying to disarm bombs overseas and sure and the, so you know stuff like that uh, makes sense and sports stuff I mean I I was uh, taking a little hiatus when they did the Jets. Uh, <laughs> uh, spot for conquer them all. I might have not signed off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> nice. Well, but I guess it, it's okay because Glenn's 
lives in Jersey, I guess. Sure. Yeah. And, I had, and, and I had to play. We had to do the Patriots first. So for, just to set the stage, I had to right. play in front of Tom Brady's locker room. The locker room was a Jets fan back in the day. This is my right. payback to the band is all Patriot fans to do the, uh, the, the Jets promo. <laughs> to be the sad Jets fan, right? Nice. Now I think we're both just sad. <laughs> yeah, really. This year. <laughs> hey, I live in Cleveland. You want to talk sad? Jesus. <laughs> you know, but you know, with with the product placement, now I'm imagining it's different from band to band, but how much of that do you get decision with versus a management or a publishing company decision? And the reason I'm asking this is I have a, I have a friend, my, my friend Mariah, she's in this band called Plush, you know, that are out there. And, um, and in um, all elite wrestling, one of the wrestlers uses one of their songs as her intro music. And she had no idea. Like literally I, I sent her a screenshot of it. I said, Hey, are you aware of this? And she's like, no. And, you know, and, and apparently, you know, it wasn't like they stole the song and you, obviously they didn't do that. It was through a, through a, well, it was probably through a publishing company or something that they worked through. So how much of that do you guys control? I mean, do you control that or is it a management Uh, or what? No, right now we are, you know, with the deals that we've signed, we're pretty much in full control of saying yes or no to anything like that. But yeah, it just varies band to band because, you know, if you're in a, you know, pretty steep deal on the record side and a pretty steep deal on the publishing end, then they have the right to go make those deals autonomous of you. Uh, So it just really depends on, you know, what the paper says, really. Uh, So there's some bands that, uh, you know, that, that, have full control over that and some that don't um because and it's and it's both both sides that have to come together to get that approved are you know whoever's the master owner and whoever's the the publisher owner have to come together and approve that deal right um so there's uh you know sometimes there can be like uh you know crazy (laughs) fights where a publisher wants to approve it and the and the band might control the master side at least they're like hell no (laughs) right somebody doesn't want to sign (laughs) off on it Yeah. yeah So, so what you're saying is no Lume commercials for you, right? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> or the Beatles, you, you can't, it's rare to be able to use an original Beatles song and something. Yeah. You won't find it. It's even on YouTube. If you were to look up some Beatles songs, there's no shortage of bands that cover the songs that they promote, but you won't see uh, bands, you know, Beatles songs for you to stream, if you will. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all just, uh, Whoever no, has uh, license control. That's right. right. No question. Well, guys, obviously we started a brand new year. It's a, uh, you know, you guys are coming out with a new record and a new record company. And, um, you know, that leads to a lot of new opportunities. So what, what can we expect from Lansdowne in um, 2023? Uh, definitely mm-hmm. even more new music coming, you know, very shortly after the, uh, the record drops We're we're just hitting the, you know, when we're, when we're, any free time we get, we're in the studio, we're writing, we're recording, we're getting ready to just put a lot of new stuff out. Um, and definitely uh, looking forward to being, you know, in, in like we talked about before, in Europe, uh, visiting in the UK, getting to some of these places that we've never been, that we've had people begging us to come to. Um, and some just new experiential stuff that we want to play around with, you know, I think Glenn could talk a little bit more on that, but kind of 
building multiple avenues that people can experience the band um, in terms of, you know, maybe some kind of, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot with this uh, comic style lyric videos that we've sure. been kind of wanting to put into a, a storyline on a, on a kind of uh, motion graphic comic uh, that's kind of centered around the music, but that is in this wholly entirely differently different world uh, right. that we want to build out or, you know, some stuff like that. That's just kind of, you know, left of center of, of, you know, what other people are putting out and trying to find just new ways to engage people into the band. Uh, have and, you thought about live streaming? Have you done, have you guys done a live stream yet of the band? No, not yet. We've talked about it. And uh, it's something that we, we were kind of thinking about doing, like, especially obviously a lot of people during COVID, right. It was right. trying to figure that out. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's going to be something that we're going to do more of, especially the, the, one of the biggest perks is, you know, our producer is Sean. So, you know, when it comes to music, I mean, Sean's in the studio, you can kind of see behind him. Sure. Like, uh, one of the, that's again, one of the nice relations with AFM between both everything right. we do, you know, um, we create all our own music, we record all our own music, we do all our own music videos, all our own content, all our own, everything we create. So we, we're self-sufficient in that sense between the companies that we own. And I think to Sean's point, you know, we, we, we built a pretty rad game for Ice Nine Kills and our buddy Spencer. That that, called, uh, that dropped over the holidays. We're talking about building a game for the band and just creating unique ways for fans to do things that they normally wouldn't get a chance to do because it's an expense, right? It's a marketing expense. That marketing expense right. comes out of your out of your pocket as an artist. For us, right. we've got the ability to control those costs. So by you make a million dollar videos yourselves. Yeah. I mean, it looked yeah. that good. That good. That was as good as any Godsmack video quality or anything like that. Yeah, and, and if we told you the price, you'd yeah, we <laughs> you'd be like, all right, we're on to something. And that's kind of the idea because we can we can take that savings and put it into ways in which, you know, you have hard costs that you can't get around. You can get around, you know, like you can't get around radio, right? You can't get around uh what it might cost to get to Europe. You can't get around some of those things, but you can get around making a fifty thousand dollar music video for five grand. You know, like right. you can do that, yeah. you know. So and that's kind of one of the things we wanted to make sure we could do, if you could put more and more content out, put more and more music out, then it's, you know, then you're constantly giving people new ways to interact and it's hard to get bored of something versus and dropping a record and you've got 12 songs. If you don't get to all 12 of those songs, you're wasting music, right? In a lot of ways. Right. So like we've been dropping song after song and then repackaging. And so to hear you guys say, you know, you really dig the record and dig the songs, that, that, that thought process that goes into like picking them, it's like making sure they get enough, room to breathe and be their own thing right does radio still matter i think i think it does and and you know i think it all every everything matters in its own way uh when it's all fulfilling one piece of the puzzle uh you know yeah. what i mean so i think uh you know definitely doesn't matter as much as it used to i don't i don't think so um at all but i think it is definitely a piece of the puzzle that helps to move the needle that extra mile you know what i mean so sure you know, if you're if you know you're doing well at streaming and you're doing well at, at on your merch and you're touring and you're looking to get that extra, extra uh, you know bit of love, then then absolutely. And I think more so in you know there's there's markets where it matters more than others because of uh, the station's ability to adapt over time. There's some you know it's sad for our genre that there are some rock stations that you know they never. They never ventured away from Aerosmith and Zeppelin. Yeah. And they, 
they just stayed there and they're and they like, oh, that new stuff is trash. I'm never playing that. And those are the stations that are closing. And that's why there's no rock stations in that market. Yeah. You know, Boston, Boston's one of them. Every Cleveland's single, another. Cleveland doesn't have an active rock station. Every single it's rock crazy. station. Every single rock station in Boston went down because they wouldn't play new music. Yeah. Um, and the places that do, like you know, WJJO and and the Banana and these places, they have those. Getting those stations makes big impacts in those areas because they, you know, moved with their listener base. They moved mm-hmm. with the the music of the times, and they've kept, uh, you know, kept a loyal fan base of the stations. So I think. Um, you know, in different markets, radio can absolutely make a big, uh, big deal. Uh, but in some of them, in some other markets, it's it's you got to go find the where those rock <laughs> rock people are listening, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, with people with Octane and XM subscriptions or uh, if it's just kind of getting to people through through YouTube or through Spotify or sure. through Facebook, uh, wherever they're kind of you got to find them wherever they're at in those uh, areas where the the rock scene is a little less uh, luscious. <laughs> sure. All right, let's play this out. Um, let's play the game. I'm going to give you guys right now $10,000. You can you can use it all in one place, split it into two, or break it into three. But, but it would break be, it into three. Well, you break it into three, but you if you break okay. it into two, you got to leave something off. And here's your three <laughs> options. You can make another video for YouTube. You can... Um, you can pay somebody to put it on radio or you can pay somebody to be on or on whatever the hottest rock active rock playlist on Spotify is. How do you spend the money? Um, do you get uh, higher placement if you spend it all on the one playlist? <laughs> you can be the number one song on the playlist. It costs you a thousand dollars to have us answer that. um then you know i'd i'd you know uh i think for us we're probably splitting it in two to uh because our our main drivers for us are actually spotify and youtube that's where our our kind of our our fans are so you know i think uh you know it's uh put the money where it works now, if we had, uh, you know, a surplus, I think that's when we start spending, looking at like, okay, how do we now move the needle even more with something that we're sure. not focused on and start building that, that out. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at, look at where our numbers have come from, the things that have sustained us, uh, where people stayed with us, you know, radio didn't stay with us, but Spotify, our Spotify listeners and our YouTube subscribers stayed with us. So I think we'd put it there. All right. Makes sense. Well, guys, uh, as we've been talking, you guys have a brand new release coming out in March um, or in February if you are listening in Europe, which actually somebody hit hit me up and said they were. So, you know, so they'll they'll get it a little earlier than we will. But um, new release from the band lands down. And guys, why don't you tell everybody where they can go to buy the record, pre-sales, buy shirts, keep up with you guys, promote your businesses as well. So in case people are looking for videos or games or, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, driving everybody to the .com, lansdownmusic.com, you know, that's the easiest way to, to kind of get access to everything. Um, you know, you get access to our socials, you get access to videos, music, new, uh, new content merch, as we drop it. Uh, merch stores on there too. So yeah, Lansdown, mm-hmm. L-A-N-S-D-O-W-N-E music.com. 
you could get to all of our socials and streaming platforms from there. Um, you know, feel free to check out uh, red13studios.com as well as red13creative.com, Red13 Studios and Red13 Creative uh, for music or video production, as well as, uh, is it just the Mungo made domain now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just my, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, mungomade.com as well mungo like uh, M- <laughs> m-u-n-g-o uh, m-a-d-e uh, dot com uh, oh. and yeah we'd love to hear from any of you if you ever need any recording mixing mastering consulting or anything in the video space for uh, uh, content and marketing very Hell good yeah. Well, one more time, the band is lands down. Go to YouTube. If you do nothing else tonight, go to YouTube and watch the videos for uh, Medicine and Halo and all their older stuff. I figured what we would do, guys, is we would wrap it up by giving people a piece of Halo so that they can so they can wet their whistle to it a little bit before they go out. And once we're done broadcasting, then they can go and watch it. How's that? Does that work? There you, there you go. I like it. <laughs> all right. Well, um, well, Sean, Glenn, thanks so much for joining us here on Chris Aker Presents. And um, this is Halo right here. On Chris Aiken presents so much. Tell me where we go. I can't touch you anymore. I can feel your halo when we step away. Tell me where we go. I can't touch you anymore, but I can feel your halo. I can't touch. With trucker strikes and rising inflation, food shortages are becoming a big, big problem. Don't let yourself get caught unprepared. Buy a food survival kit today from My Patriot Supply and save. Over 2,000 calories a day to keep you healthy and strong with a 25-year shelf life to ensure it's ready for you when the shit hits the fan. Go to www.bit.ly slash cmspnfood Order your supplies today and invest in yourself and your family now before it's too late. www.bit.ly slash CMSPN food. My Patriot Supply. UFM is underwear for men. UFM underwear provides unheard of support which eliminates the need to adjust yourself throughout the day. This underwear is the perfect fit for work, athletics, or just day-to-day activities. Shop underwear for men now and never be uncomfortable in your drawers again. Shop online at www.bit.ly slash cmspn ufm today. Underwear for men. That's right, for men. <laughs> it is Chris Aiken Presents. I am Chris Aiken. That is Eric Farentinos. And dude, how cool were those guys? They were way cool, man. That guy was straight off the Jersey Shore. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I'm from Jersey. I could say that. I'm, yeah, you can. You get away. In New Jersey. Anglewood Cliffs Hospital, to be exact. Look at you. You get away with and it. But... Look what time it is. <sighs> what are we drinking? White Claw? Uh, nope. Oh, we're not on the claw tonight. This is a Cantina Especial. Oh. What Tequila is that beer? soda. Tequila soda. 
you know what I saw when I was in this uh, supermarket? Uh, a friend of mine that I know happened to be in the supermarket, and she was about to set up a stand where they promote some new product. Okay. And she had a case of Monaco's, which, of course, made me think of Johnny Monaco. Right. Or other guitarists. But these things are strong as hell. I don't know if the listeners have ever heard of Monaco, but they make a tequila soda. They make a vodka soda. 9%. 9% alcohol wow. on those. It's like three three shots of uh, tequila or vodka at each one. So, well, you drink two of those and you can't play your gig. I could. Well, you could. You're an alcoholic. Other, but... other, you know, humans couldn't. But that's right. Pro like you, I watched you drink half a bottle of of um of Jack Daniels and get out there and play bow wow wow tunes. That's right. And roar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, real quick, um, the the Lansdowne guys already hit us up on YouTube, thanking us for having them on, and um, not a problem, man. We like those guys a lot. We do. And I'm not, and and I, I mean, I know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're just kissing their ass because they're on. No, that fucking. I want to get rocks. a video done over at their place, dude. I'm telling to be you, honest. I'm telling you, that video looks great. Don't both of those videos look great? I mean, dude, come on, look at the, look at this video. Look at how cool this looks. I mean, yeah. this just looks very cool, very, very well done. I mean, they're definitely doing high-end shit. That, that is for sure. So, you know, great that band. That singer looks like you kick your ass if you had anything else to say about it. <laughs> yeah, but so did that Tim Lambesis from As I Lay Dying, and he had to hire somebody else just to take his wife out. So, you know. He's from here. That Lambesis from here. is? Yeah. And the band... For a while, was uh, I think owners in the Brick by Brick, which is our shithole metal club that we have that we've right. had forever. It used to be called the Spirit in the late seventies, nineteen seventies. Piercy played there as a kid, and his big story was that they paid him to leave. <laughs> it was so Jeez. bad that they actually gave him money to to leave, and he goes, "Yeah." So he tells, "I'll take it." <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, Brick by it was. Uh, Brick by brick, still for a long time now. Okay, and very I don't good. know if we still own it. The guitarist, I think, and the drummer, maybe. Maybe I don't know. I don't. Out outside of outside of attempted murder, I don't know much about Tim Lambesis. I I do know as I lay dying, I loved the band. Right. I did love the band before. I haven't really listened to him since, but you know. And he didn't of, kill her. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't kill her. He just tried. Yeah. And you know, I've said it a million times. I don't condone it. Could have been worse. I don't worse. condone it, but I understand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, to quote Chris Rock, I don't condone it, but I understand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, Lansdown, make sure you check them out. Lansdownmusic.com, and that's L A N D O W N E S. No, no S. Lansdown, no S. L A N D O W N E Music.com. Lansdownmusic.com. So make sure you check them out. I felt dumb because we talked about them being from Boston. And then my first question was like, so are you guys from the Poconos? But I got all excited. <laughs> yeah. I, I have I always have the Poconos as like a soft spot in my heart. You know, right. besides, you know, I'm feeding squirrels and birds. I know. I, I'm, I'm listening to the questions. I'm like, you're fucking talking about the 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 power of the nature and, and this um, 
you're talking Dude, about the power of nature. And I'm like, the nature in Boston? What are you talking about? No, not in Boston. <laughs> Although, no, you know what? Massachusetts has, has beautiful uh, parts to it, too. But I never saw any. But the Poconos, what was weird is that was also the first time I think I heard Back in Black. Like, I was walking through the woods, and there was, like, some kind of, like, what little YMCA rec center or something out there that was, like, on a weekend. But these kids, and, like, if you can imagine in the late 1970s, uh, where everybody's kind of hippied out looking yeah. and had a boom box. And I remember I saw them in the woods and I was kind of hiding because I was only like probably eight years old tripping around and I heard some right. music and they were playing the new ACDC back and black album and they were smoking weed and passing it joints in a circle. And it was, uh, I remember just checking it out going, man, I wish I could go hang out with them. And the music was badass, and that all happened in that area. So nice. Very nice. <laughs> Well, dude, I, I did have a, a topic or two I wanted to discuss outside of Lansdowne. And um, um, and j- just real quick, um, I know we advertised tonight that Ronnie Monroe was going to be on from Vicious Rumors. He is not going to be on tonight. He had a uh, he had a death in the family quite suddenly, so um, he's dealing with that. Um, we will get him on, just not this week, because he's obviously dealing with something much more important than Chris Aiken Presents, so... You know, hope he's doing okay, and uh, we'll catch up with him, you know, at a later date once once his life settles down a little bit. Yeah. But let's move to what something I did want to talk with you about because you probably have some insight or some thought in this. Have you been seeing the number of '90s bands, '90s and early 2000s bands that are either reuniting or? at least are coming together for a lot of these festivals now have you been seeing that yes i have how does that affect the 80s guys which you obviously are in that in that world does that make less gigs or does that is that welcomed by you guys or do you hate that because it you know softens the amount of money that's out there or what no i certainly don't hate it and the bands that the eighties bands that have been doing the festivals are going to continue to do them. Okay. You know, I mean, we still probably have another 20 years of those eighties bands. Possibly. Okay. Maybe not that long. A lot of, they, they might have replacements of the band by then. Sure. I mean, obviously a lot of them are in their late sixties, early seventies uh, now, but may, maybe at least another 10 years of, of that perhaps, but it just makes sense that the nineties bands would be next to be the classic rock grandpa cruise you know or yeah, what have I mean, you it dude, makes me feel old to be honest seeing it dude is is that gonna be weird when you when you go on the monsters of rock cruise and it's uh you know papa roach and pearl right. jam you know <laughs> that just sounds like it's gonna be weird right or uh you know bush i guess yeah, that bush. would be there's there's some cool 90s bands you know sure. that i wouldn't i wouldn't mind being on the bill with yeah, but the question is, is, is will they, if you put them together, will they draw an audience though? You know, if you put, if you put Dokken on the same bill with uh, Bush, is that going to move the needle to spend $2,000 on a boat ticket? I don't know if that's even a good idea, to be honest, because everybody knows that it was the 90s that kind of put out the fire out the 80s. of the 80s. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's almost like, having the Crips and the Bloods play a festival together, you know, it's just not right. That's in the best interest. Yeah. You're probably right about that. I hadn't even thought about that, but 
Remember Dude, the Motley Crue Pam and Tommy uh, movie when Motley thought they were the, the shit and they could go into the recording studio whenever they wanted? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and they like get the in there, and the band was in, in their room, something. and they're like, hey, man, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh, well, it's our studio now. We're third eye blind. Yeah, that's right. Third yeah. eye blind. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it is it. That's got to be crushing when you've been when you've been top of the mountain and all of a sudden, you know, you came down the hill, so to speak. You know, that's got to suck. Right. And, and, and I hate, you know, the, the thing that's weird to me is because I, I, I'll be honest, I did not love the, the nineties are probably my least favorite era of music. Just, just in general. And, and it is, and nothing, and, and that's not to say that I don't like a lot of the bands and I didn't have a lot of fun with a lot of those bands. You know, I've told my stories about partying with no doubt and Glenn, Gwen Stefani and stuff, you know, which were, epic amounts of fun hanging out getting hammered with 311 and shit like that i mean just having a lot of fun with a lot of those bands but to go back and listen to them now it's like you know the the reason this one came up to me was that um i saw that the band trust company announced the original lineup to reunite for that blue ridge rock festival okay and they sucked trust company was a bad band when they were a relevant band and I cannot imagine going to anything to see Trust Company or Cold or Edema or Puddle well, of Mud. slow down there, Chris. Slow down. Okay. I mean, Cold and Edema are some pretty cool bands. Come on. Come on, really? Edema had one good record. That first one. And he's related to... Jonathan the guy Davis. in corn, right? Yeah, Jonathan Davis. Yeah, yeah, but he's not in the band anymore. Oh, he's that not. Guy, no, that that was Marky Chavez. He's not in the band anymore. Now it's some God other damn, guy. You know everybody. I do know, dude. Let me tell you my let me tell you my um Adema story. Please do. So, um, I was on WMMS, and um, myself and my partner Matt the Warlock. We did the first ever Cleveland booking. We booked the first ever Cleveland show for Edema. It, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, we did a metal show afternoon at, I think it was Peabody's. I think it was at Peabody's Down Under. And it was three bands that nobody had ever heard of before. Systematic, which was the first band ever signed to Lars's um, label. Mm -hmm. which now features, which then featured and um, went on to feature Tim Narducci, who's in Spiral Arms, and then uh, The Watchers, which are great stoner bands these days. If you like that stoner rock stuff, that's as good like as to it get gets. Stoned. Well, you would like The Watchers, because, boy, does I know Narducci likes to likes to find an herb or two. And he lives near you, too. Or no, he's up, he's up north. He's in San Francisco. But maybe when you're up north, you could... Stop by Mr. Tim's place. He'd he'd hook you up with a, a smoke or two. But um, that was that was the draw was that they were the first band signed to Lars's side label. Then the second band on the bill was Puddle of Mud that had never been in Cleveland before, and the third band was Edema. So we were like the first ones. To, we were the first booking that those three bands had in Cleveland. That sounds like a kick-ass lineup. It was pretty cool. I mean, it was cool for the time, but it, you know, and, and like the, the, that was right before puddle of mud broke out with blurry and 
she fucking hates me and those songs. And, you know, I think the biggest band on that bill might have been Adema at the time because they had that whatever that song was. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. I could think of it, but I, could, I don't remember the name of it. But, um, you know, they they um, they didn't go on to do anything. Not really. Did they? Adema? Well, uh, they still tour, I think, with the um, – now, Rob Zombie has a cousin or brother or something. Yeah, Power that's Man 5000? Right. I think Spider they get on, one. The, they get on those kind of gigs, you know, doing yeah. club tours with Power Man 5000 and go out for a couple months. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the name's, you know, hung in there, Edema, long enough. Yeah. Peabody, the shit club of Cleveland. Yeah, it was. Me. It was the shit club of Cleveland. It really was I don't not. know. I always played good gigs there. I don't Ugh. care. Well, maybe, maybe for state. See, I guess it depends on which Peabody's you played. Did you play the old one next to the lake? Or did you play the one that was in the city that came after? No, you played the one that was I in the city. Both. Probably played both if it was yeah, in the last yeah. 22 years. You, I know you played the one in the city because I went to that show. That was the Metal Church and Stephen and um, Wasp. Wasp show. Yeah, okay. and I, I went to that. But I don't think you, I don't think you would have played at the other one. That was in the late nineties, I think. That closed okay, and, then no. and moved over. But that place was a shithole. That place was, first of all, it held maybe 200 people. It just was tiny. And it had, this is such a fun story. So it had these poles because it really wasn't meant to be a club. It was just meant to be like a storage room or something that they just modified into a club. And and it had these metal poles kind of in the middle. Like there was no seats. It was just a big mosh. Not big. Was it a firehouse from back in the day? Uh, no, it was just like a, a warehouse. It was it was just okay. an old warehouse. And I just remember one night I was down there. The band, uh, the show was Blaze Bailey's version of Iron Maiden was the headliner with Fear Factory okay. opening up. And it was like 95, 96, whatever year, you know, right in there. And it was dark, and they had all the strobes going for Fear Factory and whatever. Right. And Burt Bell, the singer of Fear Factory, like went to dive out into the crowd, and he didn't see the pole, and he just bonked right off the pole. Oh. He almost knocked himself dead. He's like he like dove out like like Superman dive because he thought he was right. diving out into the crowd, and he and the pole couldn't have been a foot past the stage. He's like, whoop, boink, <laughs> just straight down to the fucking ground. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, he had, he, that club was a really, was a dive. Right. But I, I saw some good shows places there. like that, like where I, on stage they have like random pole, like right yeah. three quarters of the way onto the stage and you're trying to like work around it, mm-hmm. like ridiculous stuff like that. I'm glad we haven't had to do anything like that in a long time. Dude, there were some clubs especially in in Cleveland or in the Cleveland area at that time, like there was a club down in Canton called Sadie Renee's. And it was one of the best sounding clubs in, in the area. I mean, the sound was great in this place, but another room that just was not meant to be a club. And the problem this room had super low ceilings, like, like you could reach up and touch the ceiling Right. And I just remember I was seeing this band. There was a local band in Cleveland called Funnel. And they never went on to do anything, but they were killer. They were they were like theatrical and stuff. And 
they would wheel the singer out in a straight jacket on a on a like a, a furniture moving um trolley <laughs> it was it was a crazy wild show at one point this fucking kid jumped up into the rafters and he was hanging upside down from the rafters singing into his mic stand which they lowered a little bit so that he could sing rowdy it was fucking nuts i was like wow look at this just crazy i saw some craziness in those days man but yeah i mean but anyway back to my point about about the 90s bands i think this is my assumption is much like the 90s did it to the 80s once I think you're going to see, especially with there being less and less original members, and when you do have original members, they're fucking retirement age, or or if nothing else, they should have been retired a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a second wave of the 90s killing the 80s, but now killing them on the casino circuit. <sighs> potentially, potentially. I hope not. I hope not because I have a lot of friends in that in that circle. But yeah, I mean, honestly, this was the first uh, or the end of 2022. I first started seeing all those bands piled on. But one thing I noticed is it took a lot more 90s bands to make it a show for some reason than it typically does for 80s bands. You don't have to put as many 80s bands on a bill to have a successful show as it appeared yeah. that they were trying to do with the nineties bands. I mean, well, they had you know why? everybody. Oh, I'll tell you why. Cause the eighties had a longer lifespan, right? The eighties had, the eighties had what about a 12, a legitimate 10, eight, 10 year span. Cause I, I mean, what would we say the start of the eighties would have been 83. The start Quiet of the riot. would be 1980, Chris. Well, I know that. I mean, the music dick. <laughs> I mean the music <laughs> what do you say 83 the, right. the, the metal sound the metal time would be like 83 i'm saying the metal years yeah the hair metal years the, the popular yeah, 82, metal, 83 82, 82 83. 83 yeah heavy so, metal had been going on for some time yeah man. like i mean the set late 70s they were wearing animal skins and yeah. driving weird chevy vans and right or 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 being black sabbath that's what writing they were songs doing. about monsters right exactly but i'm saying the hair metal the popular years was probably right. from 83 to 91 and then it just died with teen spirit you know it just dropped dead like suddenly right then i mean the band still put out music but it was kind of over at that point so that's nine years and when you really think about it, there was only about, I would say, 10 to 15 bands that were big, that were truly big. You know, you got your Motley, Rat, Poison, Warrant. Um, who else? There's more than that, but. Oh, of, of the hair of bands? The hair bands that were huge, that were really oh, bon big. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Um uh rat you know do on some level sure i mean well there was a ton you know one thing i'll say is it seems like the 90s and i could be wrong i'm just speculating that the 90s had spawned more one hit wonders if anything and and that that's my point all the bands that were big in the 80s had 10 15 hits right all of them so so you don't need as many bands to have a night full of hits to do a night full of hit, I mean, dude, 
We can't even name the song from Edema. We can't name it. Name a song from Power Man 5000. Uh, I can do that. Okay, um, go ahead. I'm waiting. Turn me on, Mr. Deadman. Is that the one of theirs? I don't even know. You could be right. <laughs> I don't know. Which I um, thought is actually a freaking awesome uh, title because what that is is from the Beatles conspiracy. Yeah. Allegedly, you can hear that when you play the Beatles okay. record backwards. Right. It says, turn me on, Mr. Dead Man. Oh, and they're talking about Paul McCartney, allegedly. Oh, fall? Fall McCartney, fall allegedly McCartney. dying in 1966. <laughs> Have you watched that that documentary about the the conspiracy of dead Paul? I, you know what I have because, and this is, it does tie in with a rock story, but okay, yeah. Uh, Stephen Carpenter, a friend of mine, knew him, and okay. probably in around 2015 or so, uh, he was he's always a fixture at the NAM show for his guitar endorsements and stuff, which is the music instrument uh, yeah. trade show that goes sure. on. That's and not the so, guy from the Deftones, is it? It's the guy from the Deftones. Oh, all right. And so he's your friend. I got to meet him that day. We got to smoke out, and my friend Darren, my good friend Darren, uh, introduced me. And Stefan was a totally cool dude. And he's like, "You got to see this documentary." And he he talked up the documentary a great deal. Okay. About about the Paul McCartney thing, I hadn't really. It wasn't really on my radar. This is the one with the much. George the George um, Harrison tapes. Is that where they use I the think tapes so. to was prove it, it the one where some really skeevy uh, guy in the beginning says he's putting the thing together? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, same one. Okay, yeah. Well, okay. That documentary was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. However, the premise is is actually appears to me to be very true. And okay. There's there are better people that have researched the Paul McCartney thing. Um, but I'm all in on it, man. After all the people that I've, all the documentaries I've kind of watched and independent research and mostly like all the photos that you see of Paul McCartney changing over the years yeah, and the, and all these other factors that, that pop in, how they, how after that, they pretty much broke up. They only played like one rooftop show after mm -hmm. that. And, yeah. you know, you could clearly see something was going on with Paul mccartney's face back then they might have even had a couple paul mccartney's for a minute but the, the we've had the main one for most of our life sure and he's super talented yeah he's super freaking talented more talented than the original paul mccartney you know it's interesting that's in the news again because i i didn't read the whole story yet but apparently his daughter had a near miss with somebody try to run her over oh wow and maybe that's a message to fall to keep his stupid mouth shut <laughs> take it to your grave fall that's right because there's there's a book uh out and now i wish i had it on the tip of my tongue that's like 666 pages that that pretty much lays out the whole part paul mccartney experience through the eyes of this paul mccartney uh character and i'm going to look that up before oh yeah it's the memoirs of billy shears so maybe okay. you could look that up for us while we're spitting it out here. Yeah. Uh, the memoirs of Billy Shears. And this book came out and 
it's basically the one and only Billy Shears. It basically talks about how this guy came to become Paul McCartney in 1966 and everything that went down uh, with that. There's also talk that he may be Aleister Crowley's grandson or something. Who might be Paul McCartney or the, the Paul guy McCartney? It, Billy Shears. Okay. There's so, some weird shit. Wait, wait a minute. So, wait a minute. So Billy, this, are we saying that Billy Shears is the guy that replaced Paul McCartney? That's right. The one and only Billy Shears. Uh, so the guy, it, the guy that that married the one-legged lady, right. is Billy Shears. But apparently, she went along with it because he had a bigger dong. So she knew. She did know. She did know, and she kept a secret. But again, like apparently, MI6 was a big part of this whole thing too. They basically. Uh, were so scared that when Paul McCartney, who allegedly was leaving the studio one night in 1966, uh, cr- crashed and died, and his head got all messed up, actually looked like a walrus. And that's, and that's where I that am song, the walrus. I am the walrus kind of came from. Uh, but they were so worried that young people all over the world were going to kill themselves that they were like, okay, MI6 has to step in. We need a replacement. We have to keep this going. And the Beatles, from what I understand, were a pretty put-together band by George, oh, yeah. you know, what's his mm-hmm. name? Not George Carlin, but... Uh, George Harrison. George, No, no, the guy that George George R.R. Martin. George Martin, correct. Yeah. He was Not the, the R.R. guy. The R.R. guy yeah. is the Lord of the Rings guy, right? Right. Uh, and, you know, those first Beatles songs, they're very young kid i want to hold your hand they're yeah. goofy yeah. and you know there's a, a very distinct oh yeah change in the style from 1966 all of a sudden they get really dark and cool and yeah. i mean some of their best stuff arguably are you know is after that dude it's funny that you bring that up because they have two two greatest hits out the red they're they're commonly known as the red and the blue and the red is the early stuff 60 60 to 66 or whatever right and then the blue is 66 to 70 and right. i own both i'm a huge beatles guy i love the beatles okay. i i own both i don't think i've ever once gone to the to the early years i i couldn't give a two flying fucks about it. she loves you yeah yeah Ugh. Mm-hmm. i don't you know I, I i guess at the time when when you were going from perry como to that that must have seemed awesome but yeah but, but it I also mean, seemed kind of fake looking back too, you know. Again, <laughs> hindsight, you're like watching these performances, and the girls look like they're like being paid to do it. The the screams yeah. sound overdubbed. Well, almost, I mean, you dude, know, I mean, that was the same era as the War of the Worlds and all that. I mean, War of the Worlds had just happened, and you know, some media guys or some other guys were watching that. And were like, damn, we could do something with this. Yeah, it worked. I mean, it did work. And it was a, a phenomenon. Uh, you know, I've said in other episodes, my parents were more Rolling Stones parents, sure. which mm-hmm. I love the Stones. I mean, I have an appreciation for the Beatles. Um, and again, you know, after all the stuff I've watched, uh, Mike Adams is a, is a podcaster that's done a lot of great work on dissecting the whole Paul McCartney thing. And, and okay. he's probably the one I've put the most uh, hour, hour. I think his name's Mike Adams. I'll have to look on my youtube thing shit i wish i had it on hand but uh he's put the most research into the changes of the face 
right and ears and all that stuff which is you know really interesting but stefan carpenter deftones kind of put me on that path you know even though that first documentary he talked about was shit right uh i still got into it and after after everything i saw i'm all in that yes the real guy died probably one of the most interesting stories was uh in the 80s when paul mccartney got in trouble in japan in uh japan i think or china with marijuana he got caught with marijuana okay and that's yeah, like yeah. that you get in a lot of fucking trouble for that sure over there that's like an international incident pretty much mm-hmm. but apparently not only did they catch him but when they did the fingerprints it didn't match up with uh with paul, with McCartney. paul mccartney it came up right. as somebody else so then that you know mi6 had to come in again and right smooth that whole thing over right did it come up as billy shears possibly i don't know uh you'll have to read the book i'll have to check it out i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely have to get this book and check it out although i know me i'll never pages. i'll never read it i don't know why i'm saying i'll, I'll do that i'll never read it why because reading takes time turn it into a documentary and i'll watch it okay <laughs> i can't be bothered with reading <laughs> I, I need my media spoon fed to me. I might I get, get it. I might get the book because it's just, it's freaking interesting. It's a little creepy that it's 666 pages. I don't know about that, but. No. Well, this says it's not. This says it's 671. Oh, well, maybe with a little extra. Yeah. They probably know. threw a couple of pages in there because it wasn't selling enough because it was satanic. Yeah. Hey, man, Aleister Crowley's grandson, possibly. Ooh. This guy. Now, how do they come up with that? You know, again, I have to I have to review this. We could talk about it in the future. Or, hey, what I wanted to say tonight to the listeners is on any of these topics that we talk about, feel free to write it to Chris and I. Yeah. If you got questions about it, we'll answer your questions on the following show. And I'll, I could, you know, have follow-ups to some of this stuff sure. if they were interested to know. Yeah, absolutely. Hit us up. About. There's there's an email form on the chrisaken.net. Just go there and put the form in there. Yeah, we ought to try and get this author on this Thomas E. Your you Harriet. You go fuck off. Yeah, that's his other name. We ought to try and get him on. I know I have another author that did, that wrote a book about. Um, he was a lawyer for John Lennon, writing wow. about all all John Lennon's law problems that he had or something. Interesting. About having a lot that. Of you want to have that guy on? Yeah, he apparently did. I'll send you the book to read, and then, then we can interview him. Because okay. I have the book. I have the book, and of course, I've never once cracked it. I've had it for six months. <laughs> hmm. But but we could have that guy on. Why not? Oh yeah, I would love to have any either of these authors. Yeah, I'd like to have any conspiracy author on. That would be a huge thing if you got the author of memoir of Billy Shears. I guarantee you. Our numbers are going to go up. <laughs> well, I'm in for that, dude. I'll, I don't, a, I don't care about the numbers, but B, I would just like to talk to him about, dude. I love that. even that shitty documentary, the one we're talking about, where George Harrison snuck me these tapes right before he died, and oh yeah, that guy. You know, I would have that guy on. Sometimes I wonder if they do these shitty documentaries just to distract you from a real one so and promote the hell out of it so that that way when you look it up that's the first thing that comes up so you go oh this is fucking bullshit and like 
look away from it. Yeah. Well, dude, and, and sometimes they make these documentaries purposely to try and redirect the narrative. Right. Um, you know, like about about whatever the subject is. Like today, as an example, I, I was watching um on Tubi. Tubi Tubi TV announced um this new Tubi original called Killing Diana about Princess Diana. Now I'm gonna preface this by saying I couldn't give two fucks about the royal family. I really don't care. You know, and honestly, when Princess Diana died, I couldn't be bothered other than my ex-wife was like big into the royals. So she was glued to her TV to watch the every bit of news and the funeral and all the crying for poor William and poor Harry and blah, blah, you know, all that bullshit. And me, I couldn't be bothered to be bothered. You know, I was like, whatever, I'm going out. See, I'm going to get a beer. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't care. That being said, I still watch these documentaries because I'm a murder buff, I guess. I'm I'm into serial killer shit and murder shit and conspiracy shit. I'm into all that stuff. So I'm watching this documentary. And this was the first documentary I've ever seen. And I've watched a bunch on Princess Diana's death. This was the first one that I've ever seen where they didn't try to hide what a whore she was. And I was like, damn. I mean, they were just like, they How tried. big of a whore was she? Correct? She was a big whore. She took a lot of dick while she was married. And and Dude, they they correct. said all of it. That And that was surprising to me because, you know, they've, they've always tried to portray her as, you know, the queen that was. She was an was, outsider, though. Am I correct? Yeah, that she was, she was. She was actually not of the royal blood, so she was treated like well, crap. Something her, like that. Her family was wealthy, but, and she was raised to be, I I just learned this today, whatever private school she went to, somehow if you went to that private school, you were given a title within England. Oh. So she was, she was Lady Diana of Spencer, Lady Diana Spencer. But it was really Dirty Diana. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Cause she was taking lots of dick. I mean, they, well, and they specified it. that on Thanksgiving, in addition to liking the white meat and the turkey, she also liked the dark meat. She was into the, she was definitely into the, um, into the, um, Halal, if you will. She liked herself a Muslim or two. A halal. She they had halal. Isn't that what that is? Isn't that the, it sounds isn't like, the, hey man, let's just go out for some halals. No, isn't that what the isn't shits that, and halals? Isn't that the Muslim blessed meat? Is the halal? Oh, great. Now I'm gonna die. It is might. that what it is? I don't know. It's some it's some meat that's blessed by the Muslims. I thought oh, maybe I'm wrong. But I always thought that's what that was. But well, but yeah, she had for my ignorance. She had two two different Muslim dudes that she was banging. She had some doctor. She was fucking some doctor, but the doctor didn't like the spotlight, so she dumped him. And then and then she hooked up with that other guy, the guy that she died with, that Dodi Fayed guy, mm-hmm. whose whose dad owned that Harrods. So two is that Muslims a, is in that a row. casino. It's uh, like a department store chain or oh, something. Oh, Harrods. Like, okay. Harrods. 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 Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I Again, I, I don't know that. But then they talked about she was fucking one of her security guards. Then she was fucking some other guy that she met, some photographer guy. 
Then she was fucking another guy. I mean, she was a whore. She was throwing that pussy around. The photographer's got to have some pictures of this. I can't believe there's no pictures of of her anywhere. And believe me, I've I've searched Lady Diana Fappening. Back then, it's not like the girls when you were taking pictures with your old-timey camera back then. It's not like they could run up and go, let me see how they came out and start like deleting the ones she doesn't like or whatever. Like, yeah, she just, she just trusted, well, you're a, a professional and mm-hmm. whatever you develop in your dark room back there, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. And he's like, you got to watch this documentary though, dude, because I think, and this is, and again, maybe it's just me being the cynical fuck that I am, but I think they were trying to portray her in a good light. It doesn't sound like it. But it well, they, they didn't. To, to me, I watched it and was like, Jesus. You know, they kept trying, because they kept trying to say, well, she was in a loveless marriage, so she took on affairs of her own. You know, they tried to go that route. Well, that I believe, because he's part of all that sick stuff yeah. that goes on, man. Well, I get you all know that. What I mean? but, but again, instead of just walking away from it, she was like, well, I'll just fuck this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. He could just bankroll my sexcapades. Yeah. And then he, and then she was doing, and again, like every other chick, I'll say it. You're not saying it. I'll say it. Like every other chick, she was pushing the buttons. She was absolutely, there was, there was one time that she was going to a party that she knew that that Camilla Parker Bowles was going to be at. Mm-hmm. And she wore the slut dress purposely oh. she wore and that's what it's known as is like the the slut you dress have that or chance? what that documentary no the picture of her in this alleged dress let or me find the slut dress this, come on man princess diana the same or, or just a radio show yeah true that's true let me <laughs> see the iconic revenge dress yeah here it is this isn't like j-lo's dress where it's like I mean, it's, it's, be like glued on the nipple no 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 i mean it's definitely not it's definitely not that, but it's you know for for a royal family person, this was this was like really really risque back in the nineties. It's no wonder they had to kill her, allegedly. You know, allegedly had to kill her. What is this tab, Princess Diana? Yeah, Here she I mean, is again. You were talking about her death earlier, and I always send people to uh, Mile Miles Mathis website because mm-hmm. he had some great science papers and and he has a lot of the photos from that the press were given of the crash scene and and moments taken moments before the crash right and they all look totally staged for some yeah. reason it could be i mean i i definitely i definitely can think of that that could be i mean and and, and part of it was just you know then the whole story about you got the guy that wasn't really a driver and you know, the speed limit in the tunnels, 30 miles an hour, and he's going 120. Fuck out of here. Okay, boy. sure. Yeah, get the fight. And, and nobody's nobody stopped him between coming out of the restaurant the or wherever in there. Could have been so embarrassed. They're like, look, uh, we're either going to kill you or fake your death. You got to get out of here. You yeah. got one chance. We'll help you get out. Yeah. And I saw a picture somebody was trying to say it was her like of today and it i mean but you can't believe anything anymore that you see because they have all kinds of age progression software cgi is to this unbelievable level uh to where you just can't believe any video or photos anymore but right here we're looking at the photo that's the the revenge dress they're calling it i said the slut dress Mm. but same thing okay 
I mean, for I don't think that's that bad for an old princess for somebody that was like in the royal family. That's fucking crazy talk. Back you can then. see below like that that yeah. photo uh, in the middle down below is very conservative for the most yeah. part, right? I mean, not yeah. even showing her neck. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, you don't even see like Kate Middleton wearing something showing no showing that much titty today you know what every all these old ladies got their titties out these days I, we were watching something the other night uh jamie lee curtis came out Ugh. and her titties were just and i made some comment about it and i got in trouble for Backhanded. that <laughs> yeah well well she thought i meant oh hey I, I go hey jamie lee curtis has her titties out and uh but i i didn't say it in a way like that i was like oh somebody's got their titties out I don't know even know how I said it exactly, but it's not. I didn't mean it in a turned on way. I meant it more like, wow, like look at this, an old lady with her titties out. I don't know yeah. why she was doing that, but she was. Yeah, well, I thought she was a little old to be doing it. And, and that's the point. When she was all naked and dancing in True Lies, yes, mm -hmm. she was like forty-one years old. That was hot. True Lies. That had to be. 35 years ago yeah that that's what i'm saying out, right? she was probably oh 35 God. 40 years old when i mean that's like the iconic scene where she's where where she's like kind of dancing up to the bed and she's all just wearing like a thong and you know mm -hmm. tits are all out and shit you know that's an iconic scene and, and she looked hot she's probably 35 40 years old at that scene no one right. wants to see jamie lee curtis now no it was uncomfortable to yeah, see your grandma with her yeah, that's, what I was gonna say. that's like walking in on your grandmother in the bathroom yeah it's like, yeah no i don't want to see that yeah i you know what i'm not even gonna tell that story next <laughs> <laughs> I, it just it's just it's uncomfortable and and jamie lee curtis should stop it you know you're not in true lies anymore trying to pretend you're sexy is the biggest true lie you're telling so stop it you know, you're in just, old thighs yeah yeah truth yeah old thighs exactly <laughs> <laughs> for old guys <laughs> that's right old thighs for old guys old thighs for old guys and if you think that young guys want you that's the truest lie you've ever did you ever hear the it's not a conspiracy but uh that she may have been a hermaphrodite i've heard that yeah i'm not buying it and if yeah she, i don't know and if she is well then i've spanked my dick to a hermaphrodite because Back in that day, I definitely rubbed a couple out for Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, okay, Chris, come on. Like I said, this is a, this is a children's show, man. Well, you what know what, kids? I guarantee you the kids are jerking their dicks, too. Okay. Guaranteed. Whoa, 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 whoa. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's finish this up because I'm losing my voice. But um, You know what I watched that was uh, really bizarre? What's that? It was, uh, I, th I believe it was on Netflix. It was a documentary called Don't Pick Up the Phone. You know what? I've seen the commercial for that. Is that good? Man, we watched like the first episode, but then uh, Susan started getting bummed out. She wanted me to change it, but it's the weirdest story and it's tantalizing in a weird way. Uh, but apparently if this even happened because again like i don't know if some of these shows are freaking made up or if this yeah, is for real right but uh, uh, allegedly some dude was like crank calling fast food places okay around the country and trying to find uh, one that would go and strip search their employees based on this believable 
story okay. that they would tell. So they'd and say what, was, like like they're stealing money or something, and they right, stuck right, it in their like, shorts. Uh, okay, you know, Hank, the, one of one of the uh, employees. Do you have an employee there? She's very petite, dark hair, and they're like, yeah, that's that's uh, that's Louisa. Oh, I, I think saw her pocketing about. money or something. Yeah, she stole one of the customers' money. And what what you need to do is to, is uh we're going to be coming there. We're on our uh we're going to be on our way in a little bit. We could we could arrest her ourselves, or you could carry out a search for us just to be sure and give her a chance that maybe she could not have to come in, come downtown. Okay. Type scenario. Nice. And, and this do. was all you know <laughs> filmed on the on the camera, and they're doing like the full reenactment, and right. the investigator that they start interviewing to tell you know his point of view on the story he's like well shoot you know he gets on the scenes like wait there's a camera well we gotta watch this you know what i mean and so he goes in the back and he's he's watching the tape of the the man the female manager that basically takes this poor woman into the back who's young probably 18 years old or something like that and little by little has her stripping her her clothes off Oh my god nice i mean that's terrible that's terrible i know but when you're listening to the (laughs) You're like, how is this even possible? Because you know the caller's like asking, you know what what her breasts look like, and you know, nice. Oh, so it gets ridiculous. Yeah, and she's like, okay, well, she's like describing. Does she have large areolas? Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, touch between the cleavage of her breasts, yeah. and I'm watching this going, holy moly, I can't believe this. <laughs> uh, and uh, Apparently this happened in, in a lot of places. It was like okay. a full became a full FBI wow. investigation. But maybe you can watch it and let me know. I will watch it because yeah. I wasn't allowed to finish watching it. I'll watch it. But yeah, the only thing I watched this week on Netflix, which Netflix is becoming just a fucking ghost town. You know, I see them promoting new movies and I look at the date. It's like 1989. I'm like, Jesus, that's not new. Yeah, it's going down the crapper. It's going to shit. But I will say one that was good this week was that Bernie Madoff made off the the monster of Wall Street. He made off with everybody's money. Dude, all I learned from that from that thing was that you don't have to be brilliant to rip off the government. Oh, he no, even said he even said it. He said he said I really didn't do anything. I just created a bunch of fake fake fucking paper. He said that's all he did. American greed has a ton of shit like that. People that were billing the government for for screws and mm-hmm. you know nuts and bolts and stuff, charging you know ten grand a nut, you know, and yeah. it takes years to for somebody to audit that or kind of take a look at mm-hmm. it closer. They're just shelling out money. It's a huge machine. Well, and and then once they do, and and I haven't got to the to the very end of the Bernie thing, but I think, I think I know where it's going. Once it gets to be so profound of a theft, and it's a regulated thing, the -hmm. government doesn't want to step in because it makes them look bad, a, and it makes them somewhat liable. And that's, yeah, that, that's why the, they're losing. Yeah. And that's why the government didn't want to step in on Madoff. They, they, from what I understand, they knew a good amount of time before they took him out. Right. But they didn't want to, they did not want to take him down because they were, um, you know, they, they had responsibility as the security and exchange commission. 
if it was fraudulent and they were they were signing off on it month so after month after pay, month would they have to pay the damages the government or well, I, uh, I don't know how that all works because i know i know quite a few people that had money invested with madoff that did not get money back no and that killed themselves and stuff yeah like people that. killed like, themselves and i know quite a few quite a few people that and then his son right didn't you say uh, his son his, killed himself yeah right yeah, his son killed himself, and some of the people that worked with him killed themselves. And um, but he don't give a fuck. He's like, whatever, dude. Those stories are great. You know, uh, an American greed. I still keep going back to that when, like you said, it's a desert on Netflix, and we go, what about American greed? And I watched like two more episodes of that, which just really give you a behind the scenes of of the motivations and in, in the uh, medical field. Oh yeah, uh, this one. This one that I watched, uh, there was this Indian guy that had a had a startup, um, which was fentanyl spray. It, it was a fentanyl spray that was for for cancer patients. Okay. Okay, but he wanted to, you know, uh, grow from that, not just doing cancer patients. So he sure. started hiring these sales people to come in and schmooze all the doctors and everything. Right. And when you're hearing the stories about all the doctors that got on board with prescribing this the most highly addictive up at that point mm-hmm. drug right. to these people that just had back pain or you know something like that pain management and the incentives that they would offer they would even tell them hey you you can um put on fake meetings and charge us for it you know what i mean and right uh every time you write every prescription that you write, you're going to get more money from us. Right. And they were paying some of these doctors millions of dollars and they had, you know, written, you know, tens of thousands of prescriptions <laughs> and just destroying all these people's uh, lives. And this guy sure. didn't care, you know, yeah. that uh, the CEO, um, and it's scary just to see, because people like to think that people with white coats are these great people all the time that had took an oath to protect you and the patient comes first and all that bullshit. Yeah, that's all shit. It's total bullshit. It's a business and these people are out to make money. Their their degrees costed a lot of money yeah. to get their medical license and you know they want or or, they, or they're just yeah. pathologically fucking sick fucks. Did did you see that that Dr. Death guy? Okay, so if you're talking about this Donch guy dr yeah, donch. dr okay, donch so dr he, he was a, he was the next one that came on where i was yeah. like what this guy went to uh medical school for like 15 years or something to be a neurosurgeon yeah. but then when he shows up he's like a maniac that doesn't know what he's doing that's like taking yeah wait for this acid dropping acid yeah. before he goes into work well dude <laughs> and, and and he really i mean he did things that were so basic like dropping screws into muscles right instead they, i mean were, like somebody was just, going in to get their spine fused and yeah. this guy had some device that was supposed to be attached to the spine he just drilled a hole in this person's like muscle and just yeah. left the thing just left sitting in there yeah. brutalized people took out like chunks like and there was these two doctors that were like the whole time trying to blow the whistle on this guy with the yeah. medical board but there's such a bureaucracy yeah going on that, that and he would just move from hospital yeah, to hospital. that was the part was that he 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 literally paralyzed somebody and instead of taking him to the medical board 
they didn't want the the liability of whatever with the medical board. So they just quietly terminated him with without cause or without without you know or specifying he, yeah, or he that. could resign. There's a loophole yeah, he, where, yeah. where he could resign and there'd be nothing even said on your record for it. Yeah. And he just went to the next place and then did it again. They say, I mean, the number 33 came up again, but uh, they said like 33 out of 38 people he fucked up and he killed yeah. people. He killed, he killed people. people. He paralyzed his best friend. That was a weird twist. I didn't even know you're allowed to like do surgeries you're on not. people. You know, you're not. That's what made me wonder did this happen? It seems just so atrociously ridiculous. Yeah. The story itself, but there was people where he was severing arteries and then not even like caring about it. He was like leaving sponges and people sewing it back up. It was insane. He ended up getting a life sentence. That dude's in prison for, for life. He yeah. can't get out. He'll never get out for the damage and pain that he caused. And I guarantee you, he works in the fucking medical room. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you, he does. You know, you know, they're not keeping him out of the fucking sick bay or whatever they call it in prison. He could put to, yeah, I don't know, man, but they watch TV in there. They probably see him and they go, yeah. oh, you're that, you're that guy. Yeah. But they'll also see, yeah, he's got a medical degree better than anybody else we got. Bring him in here. Cause Maybe they don't give a fuck if you live or die anyway. Up. Well, they don't Maybe give a fuck will. if you live or die in prison anyway. So, right. You know, so whatever, but yeah, that guy was fucked. I, I watched both the documentary and then the, then the ridiculous reenactment of it, which was really dumb. I, I will say that the, the documentary really good. The, the reenactment with Christian Slater as the, the one doctor who they actually made a movie about it. Yes. It's on Peacock. It's horrible. Okay. It's laughable. Horrible. It's, it's a, it's a docu series. It's a series Ugh. based on with Christian Slater as the, the whistleblower doctor. I don't it's, trust anybody. You know, Chris, I had to go. Oh, go Chris, ahead. You want to tell us about you know, it? I'm just going to tell you, it's Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin. Oh, great. Yeah. Alec Baldwin, guy that knows What's the, the thing latest about Alec Baldwin, people. man. He's, he, you know, shoots he, these people allegedly. He got away with and it. Then what? It's Alec Baldwin. He got away with it. It's just going to be, he's just not yeah. going to do any work for a year or two, and then we're going to yeah. see him again sometime. Made fun of Trump. Not guilty. Is that a true story? Because shouldn't there be like some kind of court thing going on or public record? Uh, I don't know. I, dude, I could care because whenever Hollywood guys are douches. involved, whenever there's actors involved in anything, I'm always super sus that yeah. the event even happened. It was another like ridiculous distraction event right. that, like, what does it say? There was a story on 2020 about a plastic surgeon who put big tits on male patients. Yeah. Was this was it the Thambesis guy from that band? <laughs> from <laughs> As I Lay Dying. As I Lay Dying. Was he the guy? May have been. <laughs> nice. All right, enough of this shit. My voice is done. Let's get out of here. All right. Believe it or not, we did two hours. Can you believe that? That was a fast two hours. You don't care. You're fucking stoned and drunk. You're good. <laughs> well, we will be back next week with another episode of Chris Aiken presents the live stuff. Um, trying to think if I have anything other than that, than this coming out this week. I think I do. Oh, I do. I have um, an interview. I knocked down with um, Todd Dammit Kearns from the slash band, as well as his new band heroes and monsters with Will Hunt from Evanescence and black label society. And, um, 
who's the other guy in that band? Uh, I'm going to feel like a dick because I don't remember, but uh, it's somebody that's notable too. So whatever. <laughs> you just have to trust us. Yeah. You'll just have to tr- look it up. Heroes and monsters. It's good. And um, that, that comes out at some point this week as well. So um, good stuff. Thanks to our friends, our new friends in Lansdowne. We like those guys a lot. And um, check out their videos for medicine or the song halo. Either one of those two songs are great. Look for a new album in March. And for Chris Aiken Presents, I have been Chris Aiken. And I'm Eric Ferentinos. And we will see you guys next week. Peace.